Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur, here on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm here in the studio today with Dana Matassa. Dana is the owner of Royal Blue Fine Clothing. Royal Blue is a menswear company based in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, George. appreciate you having me. So let's talk about Royal Blue Fine Clothing. How did you get the idea for this business, and how did you decide that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Well, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and um, uh, I grew up playing soccer in Baltimore, and I had some friends of mine that uh, uh, their family was in the clothing business at uh, Joseph A. Bank Clothiers. Uh, My good friend uh, Tony Matucci, his dad, Alessio, was the lead or head designer for Joseph A. Bank. Uh, He put together all the uh, silhouettes uh, uh, that they, they sold in tailored clothing. And uh, I needed a summer job uh, one year, uh, I guess, out of high school into college. And um, I had asked Tony after a soccer match, uh, I needed a job. You know, could you help me out over the summer? So his father found me a job on the North Avenue factory at Howard Street. Uh, it was about a four-story building that uh, they made tailor clothing there. So at one time, Joseph A. Bank was a totally ver- vertically integrated company. They made uh, and sold clothing, uh, men's and ladies' uh, tailored clothing. And... Uh, I ended up working on the fourth floor belting pants, and that was my first uh, experience into the clothing business. I took a little more interest into into the manufacturing of the clothing, and I would spend some time down on the other floors watching them put together uh, a lot of the sewing by hand, et cetera, of, of garments. And that's, that's kind of like how I found interest in, in, in the clothing industry. So so what drew you specifically? Was it just kind of the, the artisanship that you saw or was it an interest that you developed while you were working for Joseph A. Bank? Um, there was a romantic side to clothing that I kind of liked. I'm Italian and uh, uh, I guess being Italian, you kind of have a romantic uh, 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 affiliation to, to nice clothing and looking good. And, um, you know, I, I guess I kind of fell in love with just look dressing well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after a short period of time of working in that uh, in that environment, I left the the factory side and ended up leaving Joseph A. Bank at that time and then found my way into uh, more traditional retailers, uh, ending up eventually at uh, Saks Fifth Avenue in Baltimore uh, when they had a store there. And I managed the men's department there. Um, I continued my love of just, you know, like always buying clothes and trying to look the part. Eventually, uh, found my way back to Joseph A. Bank for about 11 years. Uh, worked in the stores, managed stores, uh, ended up doing a little bit of store development when they were going through their growth spurt and uh, growing stores and uh, building out stores. I ended up actually uh, running one of the stores in Northern Virginia, was uh, like manager of the year. Um, kind of lost my interest in the retail side of it. And then years later, I uh, went to work with a, a gentleman who had a custom clothing business. I think originally I didn't want to do a, uh, a uh, business of my own. That wasn't the idea of why I, I got into it. I was got into it because I, I just love clothing and I like dressing people and I love dressing well. Um, uh, it sort of just snowballed into I had my own thoughts and ideas and so on about how I wanted things to be. And somehow that led into me wanting to do it on my own. And then uh, you know I had a lot of friends and people would come to me and say, hey, why don't you just do it yourself? And uh, uh, 
eventually I did. You know, I, I started to research some vendors and, and, and things and uh, finally put together an idea of, like, how I wanted things to be. So, obviously, it's uh, it started out small. It still is sort of small. Um, but really the passion of me of, like, wanting to dress well and dress people well is kind of, like, what kept me and keeps me going. I like to do things that are sometimes a little bit outside the box. I like to create like like sometimes floral pants and floral shirts and do things that are a little bit different than some custom clothiers. A lot of them are very reliant on, like we live in D.C. and people dress a certain way, being very uh, uh, buttoned-down, blue suit, gray suit, etc. And, uh, you know, I have a, my fair share of clients that are like that for sure. Uh, but I do really feed off of the clients that uh, who really want to think outside the box and, and do different things. Um, I don't think I really had that ability at uh, when I was working uh, partnered uh, and, you know, going on my own. I tend to do a little bit more sourcing of fabrics and stuff like that that I like. So I'll create a lot of things for myself that are very different and outside the box that, you know, you wouldn't see on your normal Washingtonian uh, look. But I do get stopped on the street and people will say, hey, you know, like, where'd you get that shirt or like, where'd you find those pants and that sort of thing. Um, so that kind of like what feeds me and keeps me, you know, uh, going, you know, um, that's the kind of like idea that I've, uh, that I try to create with the business is, um, I look, I like British clothing you know, the look of the British look. Um, so I try to be sort of like, I wouldn't say avant-garde, but I try to be a little different or do a different twist on what that would be. Interesting. So, um, Talk to, can you talk to me about some of your clients that you have? You mentioned you had uh, Jim Vance as, as one of your clients. Yeah, so I had um, I had gone to some charity events, and uh, actually, Jim Vance was. I, I got to Jim later. I had met uh, Craig Melvin, who's on the Today Show. He's a uh, the Saturday weekend anchor for the Today Show. I had met him at Chef Jeff's in uh, uh, near Amer- American University, and uh, it was. Um, uh, between the 6 and 11 on a Saturday, and he was casual, and I happened to see him at the bar. I got a drink. I was standing next to him, and I said, hey, you know, this is what I do. I do custom clothing. Would love to have you a client, uh, as a client, and, uh, you know, give me a shout sometime if I could help you out. I mean, maybe two or three weeks later, I got an email from him that said, hey, I need some clothes, and, you know, uh, you know, let's start with some shirts and see how you do. And that was... That was five or six, maybe seven years ago, five or six years ago. And, uh, you know, I basically today do all his uh, shirts, eh, do some ties for him and accessories and do all his tailored clothing as well, sport coats, dress trousers, that sort of thing. Um, And then that led to uh, just going by the station and seeing Craig from time to time. Uh, I met Jim and then I I saw him at a charity event at Congressional country club and uh he remembered me and like within a week or so of seeing me again he reached out and said hey i needed some shirts and basically uh, i don't do any tailored clothing for him i do mostly just uh, all dress shirts and uh so i've probably done some accessories with him too some ties and pocket squares and that sort of thing talk to me about being a business owner and developing a clientele base that's really solely word of mouth how does that work it's not easy uh you know, I I depend on my uh, my look and uh, my networking ability. Uh, a lot of times, it's my look. Uh, like I said, I do dress outside the box, so I do I get stopped. Uh, you know, I give out a lot of cards. Um, I do depend on people that buy clothing from me. Uh, that hopefully I do the right thing by them, and that they look uh, the part and they look they look dress well. Uh, and people comment and compliment them on their dress, uh, and then they give out cards, and you know, so. Um, if that's organically grown, I guess that's the, the term to use. I, uh, I, 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 I don't advertise. Um, I'm a single proprietor. I work from home. 
Uh, I, I spend a lot of time in people's offices and people's homes, uh, fitting them, going through fabrics, that sort of thing. Uh, so that would really be the hardest part of the of of the company is uh, finding clients and, and and developing clientele for sure. And uh, you had touched upon what the DC type of dress is, which is you know rather staid, you know button down approach. So how do you find the people that are here that like to have more flair to their fashion? People that aren't necessarily trying to blend in but want to stand out. I find the the, the client that I have that is that likes to not blend in and likes to stand out is more of an ethnic clientele. Uh, they uh, they embrace color. Uh, I embrace color. I love that. I I, I love. Uh, I like pink pants and a blue blazer and uh, uh, you know a patterned shirt, etc. Finding that person uh, is is not easy uh, because being in Washington, obviously, it's a button down, as you were saying, uh, city. I would much prefer to have someone who embraces what I really truly like is 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 creating and uh, being sort of your own uh, uh, advertisement for your uh, your your person. I mean, I really like someone who expresses themselves, and uh, I think DC is definitely changing in that regard. As you see a lot of people today expressing themselves in a in fashion where uh, I think maybe they're getting a little bit outside the box a little bit and, and doing some other things uh, and not being so stayed with button downs and, uh, uh, you know, blue suits and that sort of thing. There, there's definitely a, a, a – within D.C. itself, it, it, as D.C. changes with new restaurants and new areas that are growing and so on, I think you see that the uh, uh, people's mentality for fashion is changing as well. What's interesting to me is that color can really communicate – beyond words you know when people have like a first impression of you i i noticed this whenever i've had like a like a bright you know lime green shirt on that people just warm up to me instantly what can you tell me about like color how, how does that help enhance uh, who you are as a person and professional and how people perceive you i think sometimes people uh, get the wrong impression of color as in you're wild or you're kind of like uh i mean i guess different is is, is, a, is a term to use but i mean it's not it's just I think color basically is you're just really expressing your own fashion thought or idea. Um, you know, your your personality kind of shows through your your clothing. Um, I don't think it's that hard every day to wake up in the morning and decide that you want to dress well or uh, you want to wear a certain thing. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's confidence or feeling comfortable in your own skin. But I, 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 I've said many times that I don't know. I've seen people that don't care or don't uh, take an effort, and I, I – I'm kind of sometimes taken aback by people who like don't make an effort to dress well. Um, I think it says a lot about themselves. It, it, it's not a hard thing to do to to take a few seconds to say, "Hey, you know, uh, I'm going to wear this shirt, that tie, that uh, suit, etc." And, and and take a few seconds to, to to figure it all out. Yeah, I think there's something to that because it's it's not just about respecting yourself; it's it's respecting other people that you interact with. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean, how many times have you walked into a meeting office, et cetera, and you know you said getting complimented on a particular shirt? I mean, that's that that's gratifying. I mean, that uh, that's a confidence builder that you know if you know, you you know it makes you feel good about yourself and um, you know should. Uh, you know, get you through the day sometimes, you know. Yeah, and it sets the tune off in kind of a good positive direction too. Let's talk about the marks of quality. So you do custom-made shirts, custom-made suits. What types of things make these custom-made products different from something that's off the rack? What's the mark of quality? Oh, so for tailored clothing, I think the mark the mark of quality is more in tailored clothing than it is in, in shirts. People may differ, but uh, I mean, there's a few ways to make a suit. You can make a suit that's fused, which is glued, 
so fusing basically uh, gives a suit uh, structure and shape in the front of the garment uh, so it doesn't just lay like a sack. Um, so you can do it fused. Uh, there's a lot of companies that make fused garments. Um, that's the most inexpensive way to make a garment. Uh, there's what they call half canvas, which is a horsehair canvas that basically comes to uh, from the shoulder to just below the breast pocket. Um, it gives the, the garment shape through the, the, to me, the most crucial part of the garment, your shoulders in the front of the, the garment. Uh, then the rest of the garment would be fused. And then there's what they call fully canvassed. Um, I make a combination of fully canvassed garments and half canvas garments. Most of the garments I make are fully canvassed. Uh, I think uh, from a, uh, a lasting standpoint, they, the garment lasts longer. Um, you might see garments sometimes that have bubbling or uh, puckering around the lapels or around the front of the garment, and that's because that fusing has uh, basically disintegrated or has like, lost its life. Uh, in, a, uh, in a fully canvas garment, the, the, the canvas is actually sewn in. Uh, you don't get those type of uh, uh, imperfections to to the garment that you would get in those type of suits, um, and I just think it looks better. I think you know you can sometimes tell the difference if you have an eye that hey that really that that fits differently than a fused garment. Yeah, before we were taping, we were talking about uh, surgeon's cuffs sure. on on suits, and how those are typically the distinct kind of demarcation of a customer bespoke suit. What other things really kind of give away something that's that's tailor made? for that particular person? I mean, there's different things you can do to a garment. Uh, you know, you can obviously do the surgeon sleeves, which are, you know, hand, uh, they can be hand sewn, they can be factory done. And that's actually a working buttonhole in the sleeve for someone that's not familiar with what a surgeon sleeve is. Um, one thing you can do from a, from a custom standpoint is you can, you know, you can do different colored buttonholes to uh, personalize the garment. Uh, felts underneath the collar, you can do different colored felts to uh, personalize a garment. Uh, linings. Um, pick stitching, which is uh, stitching that goes around the lapel, around the the the, uh, the darts or the vent of, of a garment. Um, I tend to try to really pick stitch the, uh, the garments a lot. Uh, it gives it the look of a more expensive suit, which it is. I mean, obviously we're we're making a suit that's uh, um, that's fitted for you. It's a, it's a one off basically. I mean, your pattern is not my pattern. Is not the next guy's pattern. Um, that's something that's very unique about a, a custom made suit is that you're not getting a uh, a pattern. Uh, uh, that a retailer will will just say Brooks Brothers, Joseph A. Bank, those type of uh, retailers have existing patterns that are made for the masses, um, and they're uh, forty regulars of forty regular based on a certain pattern for uh, a certain silhouette that they're creating. Where what we make for you or, or our clients uh, is a pattern that's made directly for them based on the measurements that I uh, I take uh, and I give to our tailors to uh, to, to to manufacture. That, that's great. Can you tell me more about that? Like what? areas are typically uh, something that you would adjust in a, in a shirt or a, a jacket whenever you're making this for a client? I like to make a more tailored fitted garment. So uh, the armhole is a little bit higher. It's a little smaller armhole. Uh, I won't do that for everybody. Obviously, custom is based on the, the model that you have. And you basically have to know, uh, and through a consultative uh, process, you need to understand how they like their garment to fit. Uh, that's very crucial in, in getting the proper fit for a guy and make sure that you know he's comfortable wearing and getting the right uh, the right look for him. Um, so there's a there's a there's a give and take there on what the, uh, how they like their garment to fit. Um, so in some cases, I sometimes don't do a, a smaller armhole for a guy uh, just based on the way that he's built. He might have a larger chest. He might have uh, you know, larger biceps, etc. So um, you have to be a little bit of a student of of, uh, of clothing. Uh, to understand your your client, typically I like to make a garment that's more tailored, though that has a little bit uh, a tighter silhouette, a higher armhole, uh, maybe a, sh- uh, a little narrower sleeve, 
a um, little more suppressed at the waist. Um, just because you're a larger guy doesn't mean you can't wear a garment that way. It's a lot of uh, uh, a misconception sometimes that sometimes a garment that's tighter looks bad on a heavier person. Sometimes it doesn't. It looks better on a heavier person because if you tailor it properly, you accentuate the good and you kind of hide the bad, whatever that means, you know. So, so do you have a lot of clients that would typically go to like a big and tall men's store that you find? I have clients that could go to a big and tall men's store for sure uh, through – I mean probably through trial and error. They prefer to have something custom made because uh, based on their build that uh, they can't find the proper silhouette at, a, at an off-the-rack uh, type uh, location. Yeah, so so they, they find that there's there's actually a, a good way of, of going about that process. And if they can't find it in the stores, they can actually go and get something custom. Right. Um, and sometimes they pick and choose what they want to have custom made. You know, Sometimes they buy some garments at a uh, – um, at a retailer, and then they might say, "Hey, you know, I really want a blue blazer that fits like this because this is like an essential part of my wardrobe that I wear all the time, and I really want to, you know, I want this to be a particular, uh, a particular look or whatever in, in my wardrobe. So I'll have that custom made, and I might buy some other things, you know, at a retailer." So let's talk about accessories. What things do you think are added touches that men can do to improve their appearance in a professional setting? Pocket squares for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. In fact, uh, we're talking about uh, some of the guys on the like, Today Show and some of the guys on uh, TV where uh, I think it finishes off a garment. Uh, you know, you're wearing one today. I always wear one. I make sure I feel naked without one. Um, I think it, uh, in my opinion, it, it shows that you care. You did just didn't put on a coat, shirt, and tie like everybody else does every single day, and then you walk out the door. And not that that's a bad thing, but, um, you know, if you take a few extra seconds and you, you know, put it in just a white pocket square, it definitely makes a difference in the uh, guy who doesn't have one to the guy that has has one. I mean, generally everything else is, uh, you know, obviously in D.C. everybody seems to wear a tie, and that's a personal preference. Ties seem to be uh, – people seem to be passionate about what type of tie they like to wear, whether it's skinny, wide, striped, uh, et cetera. I'm a socks guy. I like to wear a nice patterned sock every day, um, and I like cufflinks. I'm, a, I'm a kind of a crazed over cufflinks. People like shoes. I like cufflinks, so I have a – zillion and one pairs of cufflinks. There are certain things that you don't recommend men do or certain certain things that you like to do yourself that are different, uh, such as not wearing a belt. Yeah. You did belting and Joseph A. Bank and now no belt, right? So w- why no belt? Um, I just don't like putting on a belt every day. I kind of like I do side tabs on all my trousers. So I usually, um, depending on the client, uh, a traditional belt, uh, a traditional waistband is about an inch and a half. I tend to do a two-inch waistband for most of my garments uh, and for myself especially. Um, and, I mean, if you wanted belt loops, you can put belt loops on it. Uh, but I like side tabs. It kind of looks a different look. Um, if you're familiar with Ralph Lauren and some of his garments, you'll sometimes see side tabs, uh, whether it's a, a physical actual belt or it's a button tab on the side. Um, it's a conversation starter for me. You know, you take your coat off and someone sees your pants and be like, hey, I kind of like that uh, that look. You know, where'd you get it? Uh, what is that? Um, I find it to be more comfortable. I'm a smaller guy and pants tend to fit me better. I don't know if that's the word to use, but um, tend to fit me a certain way. And I feel very comfortable not wearing a belt every day. So I kind of like the side tab look. It, it has the look of, uh, of custom or bespoke or, you know, of like you had that made kind of thing, or at least you put thought into having something uh, designed for you, you know. So what types of things in men's fashion do you see have gone away and what, what things are new that you're uh, seeing introductions of? Cuffs are coming back for sure. Um, large cuffs, like two inch cuffs. Um, i I try to cuff everything I have. Um, the, the, the silhouette that's currently uh, 
being manufactured or made by most retailers today is still more of a uh, fitted or traditional, I mean, a more fitted uh, uh, silhouette. So it, uh, maybe thinner legs and uh, um, maybe a little more pegged at the bottom. You may have seen in the past, like a larger bottom, like meaning uh, at the, the cuff uh, width. It was wider. It's seen as, you seem to see uh, uh, narrower pants, worn higher, uh, not as big a break, more at the top of the shoe, maybe showing some sock. Um, it's funny, men's fashion doesn't, it, the silhouettes change, but the looks don't, you know, uh, you know, blue blazer is still a very classic garment that will be around to hopefully till the end of time. You know, uh, I know there's people that, uh, um, uh, you know, my father wore a Brooks Brothers blue blazer and, you know, I'm going to wear a Brooks Brothers blue blazer as well. And they, you know, uh, it becomes, it's an essential part of your wardrobe. And, you know, as I talk to clients and you know, they want to build a wardrobe, I talk about, you know, obviously starting with the essentials of your wardrobe from a blue blazer to gray trousers to a blue suit, a gray suit, et cetera, and like building upon very, uh, to me, important pieces within your wardrobe that, uh, you know, that you can, that at some point can define who you are and uh, can, you know, lead to, you know, it'll lead to other things to, to build the wardrobe. But having those essential pieces, I think, are, are important. I see a lot of guys that don't have that. And when I go to maybe have like a, a closet consultation with them, I'll be like, you got a blue blazer? No, I don't. Do I need one? I'm like, that'd have been, <laughs> that'd have been the first place I started, you yeah, know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, um, you can do so much with it. You know, you can wear it with jeans. You can wear it with a, you know, gray trousers, tan trousers. You can wear it year round. You can do, you can wear it with a polo shirt. You can wear it with a unbuttoned collared shirt. You can wear it with a tie. You can, you know, you can wear it with a sweater. Yeah, it's a versatile piece. And really, I mean, for all professionals, I think all men really should have at least one. And if they do have it, you know, hang it at their office. Absolutely. You know, because sure. if you have a networking event or meeting afterwards, it's ready there to go or have it in your car sure. at all times. Um, so uh, let's talk about um, parsing dress codes here because I, I think there's something interesting. I've, I've seen invitations go out for dress codes where you see, um, you know, black tie obviously is, is the one that we all know. But then you'll see something come out like that will be like an invitation that says uh, black tie optional. What does that mean whenever people start giving you these optional kind of things in the dress code? How do you, how do you decipher what that means and, and know how to dress when you go to an event? Black tie optional to me means you wear a tuxedo. Um, that's just my opinion. To so dress I mean, up versus gown. Yeah, down. yeah, sure. I mean, black tie optional means you can wear a dark suit. I mean, but for me, if someone said, "Hey, black tie optional," I'm going to wear, uh, I'm going to wear a black tie. Um, th- that's just the way I, I kind of am. Do you have to also know the social circle? If more people, like more men, are wearing suits, does it better just to kind of go with what everybody else does? Sure. I mean, yeah, I would think so for sure. Uh, but I definitely think you should wear a something formal. You know, a uh, white shirt blue suit, et cetera, for something like that. If you don't have a tuxedo, yeah. obviously, I wouldn't tell you to go out and buy a tuxedo just because you're going to go to one event. Obviously, you use common sense. Um, but if it's something you had in your wardrobe and, you know, I would think that, you know, it's a black tie optional, you you don't get to go to those that, many, that many of those type of uh, functions probably. Why not dress up and look nice? You sure. Know? And what about business casual? Because that seems like it has a wide amount of interpretations from what I've seen people end up, you know, sure. looking like whenever you go to an event. I hate business casual. I don't like it. <laughs> Why I, is that? Because people butcher it. Uh, they don't do a very good job of it. Um, I don't think. Uh, I don't think companies, mm-hmm. in some regard, who set a standard for a dress code and they throw out a very blanket statement and say business casual, and then there's no guideline sometimes to what business casual is. To yeah. me, um, if you're in business, you should dress like you're in business. That's that's a personal uh, opinion. But I mean, I. 
I like to dress up every day. I like to wear a coat and tie and be formal, if that's the word to use. Um, but I think that if you go to work, unless you work in a print shop or something, obviously you're not going to wear a coat and tie or a coat every day. Um, but as I go back to what I was saying earlier about making an effort, um, you, know, you should at least try to make an effort. And mm-hmm. so, like, uh, I think the uh, the idea of business casual somewhere along the line has been diluted, and the guidelines by companies haven't been really uh, written. And then it's up to per- interpretation for what you think business casual is. So sometimes business casual is a t-shirt and jeans and a pair of uh, 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 fish heads, and you know that's business casual. I guess if you're in that business where you can dress that way, it's fine. But to me, if you're in an office setting, um, I'm, I'm a shirt and tie, sport coat, dress trouser kind of guy. And, yeah. Um, we talked earlier about uh, guys on TV, some of the news uh, casters who uh, they don't wear a tie. Uh, maybe they're out in the field and, you know, uh, maybe they don't feel like putting on a tie. But I get uh, – I sort of get irritated when I see them and I kind of go like I yell at the TV and say, that guy doesn't have a tie on. I mean like why doesn't he have a tie on? It looks unfinished. It looks unprofessional. Like I want to gather my news from someone who actually looks dressed up. You know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, you know Matt Lauer or whoever it may be or Craig Melvin. You know, when they sit at the uh, at the news desk giving you news, Jim Vance, you know, every night he's got a shirt, tie, and coat on. And, and I, I feel um, – I feel like the information he's given me is is truthful or whatever because he's got a shirt and tie and coat on, and I, you know, I, I kind of identify with the look and all that. So, I mean, I've had jobs outside of fashion in my life, uh, and I like to think that some of those jobs were gotten not because always of my uh, my knowledge of the industry, but because I gave a good impression when I came in the door and I was dressed up a certain way, and they were like, "Wow, that he looks." like the guy that we want to hire for that part, you know what I mean? Like he looks great, you know, and that's, you know, that's that's a big part of it, you know. Yeah, it helps you carry yourself in a little bit more esteemed fashion. So um, let's talk about the business here. So uh, you, you've had the business now for how long? Oh, about five years. Five years. Yeah. And so how did you find a startup capital? Was it your own kind of personal investment? Was it bootstrapping or did you go to people to help out with financing it? It was – to get my business started really didn't need a whole lot of capital. It was more, you know, I had I had clients. Um, I had a place for them to go, which was my house uh, or their their house or their office. So um, I don't have a brick and mortar. Um, I'd love to have a brick and mortar. Uh, I, have, I have very big ideas for like what I would like to do. I mean, inevitably what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like to do a, a men's barber shop that wraps around the men's clothing business. So it becomes sort of this lifestyle type mm-hmm. uh, uh, idea where it would be like a British men's barber shop where there'd be five or six chairs and then within that space would be carry accessories and custom clothes and maybe have a, a tea area or and that sort of thing. And it would be something that's much um, – different than you don't see anything really like that uh, in D.C. You really don't see that anything in some of the larger cities. You might see it in New York. Yeah. Um, if there's anybody out there looking to Yeah, invest, all these founders uh, out there, there, there's a good idea. Uh, you mentioned the country club too, the country club concept. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so a, uh, a close friend of mine runs a, a country club of uh, country club at Fairfax, and uh, he they've been going through a, a remodel and uh, – uh, he had had the idea of uh, incorporating a, a custom clothing uh, area within the pro shop. Uh, so we're working on that now. We're just we're almost uh, there where, uh, you know, the remodel's almost done. And we're going to do, uh, you know, accessories, suspenders, uh, uh, cufflinks. Um, and then we haven't really figured out how the 
how I would be involved as far as you know being there to uh, capture the business. But at some point, we'll figure out I'm there once a week or in the evenings on a Thursday, uh, be a running uh, weekly thing where I would be there to uh, fit people who want to maybe have custom shirts made. I know we talked about doing a uh, a blazer for the country club itself that mm-hmm. uh, you could buy a country uh, buy a blazer that uh, relates to the country club with a crest and that sort of thing and yeah. and so on. But uh, um, I know it fills a void for guys. You know, I've tried to do things like that in the past with maybe some other country clubs, and uh, they uh, the, the clients come to the country club and they have a hard time getting out to the retailers to buy clothes and that sort of thing. So they rely on the, sometimes the pro shop to get them some certain things. Like, right. So um, I, I think it's a it's a it's a value add for the country club for sure. sure. Uh, so it makes it uh, they, they come to the club, they eat there, they go to the pro shop, they buy, they enjoy the experience, and you know. Uh, you know, it, it helps the, the survival of the club and, you know, they, they get to dress well, too, hopefully. Bringing the German Street Savile Row kind of concept to the country club exactly. setting. Talk to me about um, what events in D.C. people tend to dress up for. The, the big events, the, the galas. Obviously, we just had the inauguration. Um, I know Gold Club's a big one. Talk to me about the events that you start to see kind of a spike in people's thinking about and mindfully looking at ways to express themselves at these particular D.C. events, these institutions? So I've got a few clients that uh, dedicate their time to various charities, and they usually have some type of gala around that, and they always want to look different or have something made for those type of events. Um, One of my clients was uh, did uh, some work with the uh, Leukemia Lymphoma uh, Society Man of the Year uh, uh, charity, and uh, he actually won Man of the Year. Um, And we had made some clothing for him uh, over the past many years I've made clothing for him uh, and he's always wanting something he's an outside the box kind of guy um, you know your regular uh, uh, you know the holidays definitely have a spike in you know uh, wanting unique items like uh, maybe plaid pants and that sort of thing a holiday look to it uh, again blue blazers uh, velvet uh, sport coats and stuff like that for the holidays uh, New Year's uh, this, like you said the inauguration this year we had some guys that wanted some tuxedos that uh, actually wanted to purchase a tuxedo rather than rent um, Gold Cup is a big one where, you know, people want some, uh, uh, it's the beginning of spring and, you know, color and they want, uh, you know, maybe linen pants in various colors. Uh, you know, I can do a million different colors in linen. Yeah. Gold Cup's really interesting to me too, because it, it's, it's the same day that they have the Kentucky Derby and I, I've been out to that event. And that's just one of those days where everybody is just in their Sunday best, you know, going out and kind of making a day of it. I mean, it's horse racing, right? But it's People, a show off kind of thing. It's a show. It, it's, it's a, a show. show. Absolutely, it's a show. If you've ever, if you've never been, it's definitely worth going for at least once, just to for the. Uh um, it's a dandy type uh, event, you know. People are dressed like dandies. They've got uh, saddle shoes on, and uh, you know, uh, uh, colored pants, blue blazers, bow ties, uh, suspenders. I mean, it really is a. Uh, it's it's really like it, it's an event for sure. I mean, there's no doubt. That people look forward to it every year and wonder what they're going to wear or what they're going to wear the next year. I wore this this year, and I want to do this next year, and that sort of thing. So it definitely is a, surely a, a fashion event. I mean, uh, in fact, I think they even give out an award at the uh, That's right. at yep. the best dressed or whatever it may be you know so um it's a big deal yeah and i i think there's a group actually in dc called dandies and quantrells that do a tweed ride and they do a seersucker ride uh, for cyclists in the area which i always thought was kind of interesting it's, it's a very brooklyn new york kind of concept to bring to dc and i, I just think it's it's a really interesting thing because most of the people in the city don't 
necessarily do that on a daily basis. Well, it's kind of wild when you yeah. see it. If you've ever seen it going it, through, yeah. the t- if you've seen it going through the town, it's it's uh-huh. interesting going through DC and seeing everybody in seersucker on bikes and that sort of thing. My neighbor does it every year, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's sort of it's a it's it's an event for sure. The the opposite of the no pants metro ride. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, any other parting thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Make an effort. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think it's too hard every day to uh, um, make an effort. You don't have to have custom clothes to look good. Um, you can go to a fine retailer in D.C., and there's a million of them now, and you know, they're getting better and better all the time. Uh, custom is not, uh, you know, not a necessity. It's something that you might want to have done. And I always say – I've always said you should – every man should have something custom-made or at least a custom-made suit in their lifetime just to experience uh, – uh, having something made for you. Um, I think it's special. It's, you know, I, I love having clothing made for myself. I love it when I pick out a new fabric. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it makes me feel good, you know. So uh, I guess a parting word would be to have something made for yourself, you know. Great. And so how can they find out about your business? Uh, you can find me on the web at uh, www.royalbluecustom.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram under Royal Blue Fine Clothing. Uh, Facebook under Royal Blue Fine Clothing, um, or you can just uh, email me at dmatassa, that's D-M-A-T-A-S-S-A, at royalbluecustom.com. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for being here today, Dana. George, thank you very much. for All right. Thanks. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.